And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the line for man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll conclude our salute to Abraham Lincoln and Valentine's Day with part two of My Friend Irma, starring Marie Wilson from 1949. Then we'll travel back in time to attempt to prevent the assassination of our 16th president on a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense from 1962. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Oh, good, Carl. What's up? Isn't that cool? We're going to listen to a 1962 radio broadcast. Yeah, very late in the yeah. game. You know, there were a few radio drama series still on radio in 1962. One of them was Suspense. Another was Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. There was a couple left. I mean, pretty much it was all gone. The golden age of radio had gone by the wayside. Television had taken over. But we still have a couple of uh, stragglers there. Well, We're going to listen to it. count on us to bring it back. Absolutely. But right now, it's time for the conclusion to My Friend Irma. We began listening to this last time. Good Valentine's Day show from February 14, 1949. Here's Marie Wilson in the conclusion to My Friend Irma. Richard whispered those sweet nothings a girl loves to hear on Valentine's Day. I just can't wait to get home. Why? Because Al has left the wrong gift for Irma, and I must get back and explain before it's too late. You see, I remember the time Al told her he got a letter from Virginia, and she cried for three days before she found out it was the name of a state. So I'm taking no chances. Irma? Irma, are you home? Oh, is that you, Irma? Even with a wig on, I wouldn't look like Irma. <laughs> Professor, uh, have you seen Irma? Yes, Jenny, I did. I was here when she opened Al's box of candy. And there's the card. Card? Let me see. You are still my first sweetheart, even though you're old and wrinkled. Oh, Professor, he meant this for his mother. I tried to explain to Irma that it must be a mistake, but she left. Left? So she packed a suitcase and said she was going back to Minnesota. Oh, well, I'd better run down to the station before she gets on that train. Wait, I'll call the station. Maybe it's too early, maybe it's too late. Well, we've got to do something. Oh, how much longer must I go on living with desperate Dora? Hello, Grand Central. When is the next train to Minnesota, please? Two hours. Thank you. Two hours? Yeah. I wonder what she's doing in the meantime. Well, the average person would probably make the reservations, get the magazine, sit in the waiting room, maybe go to a movie. That's the average person. <laughs> now, let's see, what would Irma do? <laughs> That's the trouble. She's so unpredictable. The last time she got mad, I found her standing in front of the electric fan at Schraff's. That was her way of blowing her top. Yeah, remember the time she drank 18 Cokes because she wanted to drown herself without getting a dress wet? Well, I, I 
wish I knew where to start looking. The poor dear is probably crying her eyes out. Would you mind playing the last part of that record again for me, mister? Not at all, miss. If you'll promise not to cry again. All right. Ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be many long years ago. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't help myself. You see, that's how my boyfriend describes me. I ain't what I used to be. I'm old, Ringo. Old? He must be crazy. Why, to talk with you, I'd never take you to be more than six or seven. Oh, thanks. Uh, Have I put you to any trouble? Oh, no, no. I've just been playing this record for you for half an hour. You've used up a whole box of my Kleenex with your tears. The record is worn out now, and I've only neglected three customers. Oh, well, I know this is a big business store, and, and you have big expenses, and I don't want you to lose any money on me. So I'll buy a package of needles. Do you have a Victrola? No, but when I get back to the farm, I'm going to forget about men and just spend my time sewing. Well, Professor, did you have any luck at the station? No, Jenny, I looked all over. The baggage room, the waiting room, the restaurant. She must be wandering around the city. Oh. Well, thanks anyway, Professor. To follow her trail, what we need is a bloodhound with a mind like a corkscrew. Hey, maybe that's Irma. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hi, Professor. See, I made it just in time. Happened to make a mistake with Irma's Valentine cu- What's the matter with everybody? You look like the parole board getting ready to turn a guy down. Al, how could you have made a mistake like that? Well, guess Chicken feels bad about it, but you should have heard my mother. She thinks less of me than she does of my father. <laughs> Where's Chicken? Want to explain to her? Al, she's on her way to Minnesota. Minnesota? Well, she can't do that to me. Chicken is all I got. Why are we standing here? Let's do something. Let's go to the station. We gotta stop Take her. Take it easy, Al. The professor has already tried to find her, and she isn't at the station. The only thing we can do now is wait for train time and then try again. Cannot do that, Jane. Not gonna let my poor sweet chicken wander about thinking the world has come to an end. That she's lost the best thing she ever had. Me. <laughs> Cupid's gift to the world What do you suggest? When everything else starts to fail There's only one man to hail Who else? Who else but Hello, Joe (laughs) Al, got a problem When a dame runs out on you What do you do? What? Lock the doors, bolt the windows And celebrate? (laughs) No, no, Joe That's all right for you I've seen your wife (laughs) Now, my chicken is going away And I can't live without her What do I do? Uh-huh, 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 mm-hmm. Get my name in the obituary column, and then when she reads it, she'll cry. Yeah, but Joe, I'll have to be dead to get my name in that column. What? <laughs> huh? That's your point? Any guy who will worry that much over one day may fit to live. <laughs> Joe, you ain't got no sentiments, but thanks anyway, and goodbye, noble friend. Well, no help there. Jane... What are we going to do? Look, Al, I'm just as much concerned about this thing as you are. Well, we are all concerned, believe me. 
The old professor would miss her very much if she went away. She has a way of getting into your heartstrings and making them giggle. <laughs> has anybody thought of checking with Mrs. O'Reilly? Chicken may have changed her mind and gone down there to pout. Say, that's an idea. Let's go down and look. Oh, the poor girl must be out of her mind. Then I'll go look in my room. Because if she was out of her mind, that's where she'd go. <laughs> look, miss, I don't own the railroad. I'm only the ticket seller, and I can't get you within a thousand miles of Minnesota on eight dollars. Well... I could send a telegram to my mother and have her pay the driver when the train gets there. Sorry, can't be done. Well, maybe I can work my way across to Minnesota, you know, swabbing the deck or something. <laughs> Look, miss, I'm busy and you're holding up the line. All right. And thank you. Watch your step, everybody. Arma Peterson, what are you doing here? Why, Officer Jones, what are you doing down here? I was transferred for going beyond the line of duty. I caught the sergeant's wife shoplifting. <laughs> but, Irma, what's the matter with you? You look like you've been crying. Well, you remember my boyfriend, Al, don't you? Oh, yes, indeed. How is the bum? <laughs> oh, well, he insulted me on Valentine's Day, so I'm going back to Minnesota. There, there, now. Don't let anything like that make you go back home, honey. New York is full of men. Now, why don't you just go back to Janie and forget that unemployed nobody? Well, I don't want to. But, Irma, I know how much Janie loves you, and anything like this is liable to break her heart. Oh. Well, gosh, I, I never looked at it that way. Sure. Well, maybe you're right. I'll, I'll go back home, but I'm through with that. <laughs> That's a girl. Here, Officer Jones, will you take this bar, this box of cigars? It's a Valentine present I bought for Al, and there's no point in me keeping them. It doesn't look nice for a lady to smoke cigars. <laughs> well, thank you, Irma. Hmm. They smell like they come from Havana. No, they're from Macy's. <laughs> Uh-oh, here comes my boss. Irma, do you mind if I give the cigars to him? It might win me a promotion. No, I don't mind. I'm through with men forever, and... When I get married, if I have any children, I'll put dresses on all the boys. Cannot understand how chicken could walk out on me like this. There's nothing left for me. Yes, I know. You've eaten every piece of candy in that box you bought. It. In my grief, do I know what I'm doing? Let this be a lesson to all you men. We women have to be handled with gloves. You look like you've been handled by a claw machine. Ah, <laughs> uh, look here, you son of a... Oh, Irma! Hello, Jane. Chicken! Don't talk to me. No, wait a minute, Chicken. It's all a mistake. You got the card my mother was supposed to get. And vice versa. Oh, so that's what it was. Oh. Oh, Al, I've been such a fool. Will you ever forgive me for doubting you? Of course, Chicken. We're both high-strung, sentimental people. Right, Chicken? Right, Al. And, uh, being you're so sentimental, tell me, uh, what did you get me for Valentine? Oh, dear. Chicken, you mean you forgot? Oh, no, in fact, I bought you a present, and I even wrote a cute personal card, but... Well, what happened to it? Oh, now, who can that be? Come in. Oh, it's, it's Officer Jones. Irma Peterson, you've got to help me out of this. 
This is my boss. I, I gave him your present and the card inside. John, you wrote that card. I know what you think of me. I'm going to detail you to Staten Island. Oh, please, please, Irma, save well, me. I'm sure this is all a mistake. What does the card say? Read it, officer. It says, this is to show you what I think of you, even though you have never made an honest dollar in your life. <laughs> should explain everything. Oh, sure, that's a terrible thing to say to any man. I wrote it for my boyfriend, Al. <laughs> well, we all got our Valentine straight, and then we went out with Richard to a cafe, and we dined and danced and had a merry time. Yes, every one of us entered into the spirit of St. Valentine's Day with gusto. Then came the check. My eyes almost popped when Al was the first to grab it. He took out his fountain pen, drew a large heart across the top of it, handed it to Richard and said, Happy Valentine. <laughs> but Richard was his own gracious self and accepted it with a smile. Now, Irma and I are home and ready for bed. She's on her knees saying her prayers. And I promise I'll never doubt Al again. But if I do, would you mind reducing the fare to Minnesota? <laughs> and if she takes the super chief, I'm sure that for the next hundred years, he will say ugh every time he thinks of my friend Irma. <laughs> My Friend Irma is produced and directed by Cy Howard. Park Levy writes the script with Stanley Adams and Roland McLean, and it is brought to you by Pepsi and Toothpaste with Arium, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company. Marie Wilson is starred as Irma, with Joan Banks as Jane. The part of Al was played by John Brown. Hans Conried was heard as Professor Kropotkin, and Gloria Gordon as Mrs. O'Reilly. Music was under the direction of Led Gluskin. This is Wendell Niles speaking. Tune in one hour earlier next week and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, followed by the President Show, My Friend Irma. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's My Friend Irma, February 14, 1949, with the Valentine's Day show starring Marie Wilson. Also in that cast, Joan Banks, John Brown, Hans Conried, and sponsored by Pepsodent Assert on CBS. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's suspense. Don't go away. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. And to my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. To my left, the very talented Mike Costella. And I want to remind all of our listeners about our surprise boxes. Don't miss them. Go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. When you go there, there will be a pop-up that tells you all about the surprise box you can get for classic radio, the surprise box you can get for classic movies and classic TV shows, and a third surprise box for the Twilight Zone radio dramas on CDs. A fantastic offer. Check it out. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. And when you're at our site, please scroll down and see our big banner for our brand new old-time radio app. 
The app is absolutely free. You can download it to your iPhone. And then there's 10 free classic radio shows on there. We've made it really convenient because right from our website, you can click on the Google Store or the Apple Store right right there, right at our banner. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com and download our free app and start enjoying 10 free classic radio shows. All right, it's time now for Suspense. Let's go back to February 11, 1962. This is called The Man Who Went Back to Save Lincoln. It stars Ian Martin. Here's part one of Suspense. And now... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Tomorrow is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Ninety-seven years ago, Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents, died, slain by the bullet of the actor John Wilkes Booth. Many historians feel that if Lincoln had lived, our history and world history would have been profoundly changed for the better. With this in mind... We bring you now a strange and unusual drama. The man who went back to save Lincoln. In a moment, act one of The Man Who Went Back to Save Lincoln. Starring Court Benson as Tom and Ian Martin as the professor. And written especially for suspense by Robert Arthur. All right, now, Tom, give me the readings on that gauge, please. It's calibrated in years. In years? Right. Um, uh, it says 1914 now, 1913, 1913, 1912, 1911, 1910, 1910. It, it stopped moving. Well, the accumulated tension is too great to overcome, but I'll try greater power. Ah, that's what I was afraid of. Field coil blew out. But at least I added a couple of years. A projective force went all the way back to 1910. That's 52 years. Professor Hodges, what do you intend to call this invention? Oh, well, I could call it, oh, let's see, uh, an electronic compressor for transmitting personality patterns across temporal gap. <laughs> Time machine would be simple. Yes, right? but it, uh, it wouldn't be accurate. In one sense, a time machine is a total impossibility, believe me. But in another sense, everyone travels in time constantly. I'm not sure I'm following you, Professor Hodges. All right, what happened on your tenth birthday? Um, why, well, I had a big party. I got a pony for a present, and I rode him all over the lawn. <laughs> I, I can still feel the licking I got for ruining the lawn. Now, you see, you just traveled back 28 years in time. Mentally, of course. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Exactly. Now, suppose I connected this apparatus to you. Suppose I then focused it on some special date in history and at some special point where I knew people were present. Are you following me? Yes, I think so, sir. Now, the electronic circuits would take your memory pattern, your personality, amplify it millions of times and push it back into the past, into the mind of some person at that particular spot at that particular time. I see. You'll be able to think with his mind, see with his eyes, hear with his ears, and move about with his body. Well, put it that way, it doesn't sound quite so impossible. Oh, it's very much possible. Of course, there are... Uh... There are difficulties. I imagine there must be a lot of them. Oh, the technical difficulties can be overcome, but... Well, now, for instance, suppose your mind 
finds itself inside the mind of a a very strong-willed individual who fights you. Ah, yes, I see the problem. He might dominate you, make you helpless. Yes, it's uh, all very uncertain. Well, uncertainty is one of the natural principles of existence, Professor. Oh. Then, uh, would you be willing to take the risk, Tom? Risk? You mean of a trip into the past? That's just what I mean. Now, look, Tom, you're only 38, but you're already one of the world's foremost authorities on Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I think I'm pretty well grounded on the subject anyway. Uh, I've read your books, and I've followed your career ever since you were one of my students. I know that you believe Abraham Lincoln's death at the hands of John Wilkes Booth in 1865 was one of the great tragic turning points in history. No, it was. If Lincoln had lived, Professor White, this would be a different world. He would have healed the wounds of the Civil War and left us a great nation decades sooner. We would have been a world power by 1900. We would have had the strength to prevent both world wars. We'd be living in a world so much better that... <laughs> I'm letting myself get carried away again, speculating about suppose Lincoln had lived. All right, son. Suppose he had lived. I know, but he didn't. Tom... Today is February 11th, 1962. Tomorrow is the anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's birth. Now, almost 97 years ago, on April 15th, 1865, Lincoln was assassinated. How would you like to go back across those 97 long years and save Abraham Lincoln's life? That's the first portion of Suspense. Stick around more after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Inner Sanctum Mystery. What? It was her heart, sir. She died this afternoon while you were at the art gallery. Oh... I can't believe it. I tried to reach you, but you'd already left, sir. Dr. Simpson said... Excuse me, sir. Hello? Mr. Mason's residence? Is Mr. Mason there, please? This is Miss Snyder calling. Just a moment, please. It's for you, sir. Oh. Thank you. Hello? Mr. Mason. I still want that painting. What? Don't you think you'd better sell it to me? It can only bring you harm. I... I'll think it over. Don't wait too long, Mr. Mason. I warn you. Don't wait too long. You ought to go to bed, sir. You haven't had any sleep for days. I'm all right, Parker. But it can't do any good to sit in this room and stare at that painting. Parker. Doesn't the portrait look a little different today than it did when I brought it into the house? I don't think so, sir. Expression on the girl's face is a little deeper. A little more understanding. The background... Good heavens, Parker. What is it, sir? Look. 
The graves in the background. Weren't they there, sir? When I bought it, Parker, there were two. Now there are three. I'm so glad you could come out here, Mr. Flannery. I had to speak to you. I came as soon as I could. Did you bring the catalog? Oh, yes, I did, Mr. Mason. What is it? What's wrong? Uh, let me see a picture of that portrait, please. Yes, of course. Portrait. Uh, here it is. A portrait of death. There. I was right. There were only two graves in the original painting. Well, of course, Mr. Mason. I told you there were two the day you bought it. But now there are three, Flannoy. Three graves. So what? Come I'll show you. Oh, Mr. Mason, please. Uh, three, I tell you. The third one's been there ever since my wife well, died. But, but that's impossible. You must be imagining... Give yourself, Lorna. Here. One, two, three. Mr. Mason, why are you looking at me like that? You need a rest. A rest? What are you talking about? Don't you understand? There are only two graves in that portrait. The third one is in your mind. You mean... There isn't a third grave on this painting? No. You've been handling such a strain these past few days. I must be losing my mind. Oh, oh no, I, I'm sure it isn't as serious as all that. It's only natural for you to be upset about your wife. I want to get rid of the portrait. I want to sell it. Right away. Well, I, I don't know how soon I can dispose of it for you, Mr. Mason. Under the circumstances, it might be hard to arrange that a That woman will buy it, won't she? Who? That woman who's been pestering me for it. Why don't you get in touch with her? I will, first thing in the morning. No, no, I won't wait until morning. I want that portrait out of this house tonight. Parker. Where are you going with that painting? Why, I... I was taking it to the garage, sir. What for? You said you didn't want it in the house tonight. I thought I might return it to the dealer. Mr. Florida hasn't called back yet? No, sir. Well, I'll take it to him myself. Is the car ready? Yes, sir, but I hardly think you ought to go alone, Mr. Mason. You're in no condition. I brought that portrait into this house, and I'll take it back alone. Come on, come on. The devil is the matter with this car? I should have had a car to take it out of the garage for me. Confound it. I'll get that painting out of here, but I have to carry it out with my hands. Portrait of death. You are a portrait of death. You, with those searing eyes, that faint half-smile. I'll never see your face again. Not as long as... No. 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 No, don't. Don't. This is a strange time of night to go calling for a painting, Mr. Flournoy. Mr. Mason told me to get in touch with you right away, Miss Snyder. He was determined to have you pick up the portrait tonight. Well, I hope he isn't asleep. Yes. Nobody seems to be answering the door. Oh, wait a moment. There's a light in the garage. Oh, good heavens, what was that? It sounded like a scream from the back of the house. Come on, we better hurry. Come on, Miss Snyder. There's somebody in the garage. Why, hey, Parker. Yes, sir. What's the matter, Parker? Why'd you scream? It's Mr. Mason, sir. He's... Dead. What? I just found him, sir, slumped over on the floor of the car. Maybe he was asphyxiated. No, the motor wasn't running, sir. It's the portrait. The portrait killed him. 
just as it did the other. It does seem strange. He came to the garage about an hour ago, carrying the painting in his arms. Well, didn't you help him? He wouldn't let me, sir. He insisted on being alone. That's strange. Look at these marks on his neck. As if he'd been strangled with a fine chain. Or a woman's necklace. What do you mean by that? Nothing. Did you think I was accusing you, Miss Snyder? I don't know. Good heavens, Mr. Flournoy. Look at the portrait. Oh, it's wrong. The necklace, sir. The necklace that was painted on the girl's throat. It's gone. Well, you can breathe a little easier now. Unless you happen to be wearing that girl's necklace. If you are, just write a note to the artist that painted the portrait and he'll answer you from the grave. Honest. He wrote to me from the grave the other day. You know what he said? Having a wonderful time. Wish you were here. <laughs> I suppose you think that's funny. Why, Mary, it must be funny. The dead artist was smiling when he wrote it. Oh, but then he's always smiling. You see, he's a grinning skull. <laughs> Let's get back to that there cover girl on the portrait of death. It's six months now since she strangled old man Mason with that necklace of hers and put the Indian sign on his late wife. Parker's still around, though. And so is that character, Flanoy, who at the moment is disposing of the ill-fated portrait for Mr. Mason's estate. Mr. Davis, I believe you're the only man in the world who wants this painting. And I really can't see why you want it, knowing its history. Mr. Flanoy, that kind of history doesn't mean a thing to me. Oh. Uh, may I take it with me now? Oh, certainly. Uh, Parker? Uh, yes, sir? Would you be good enough to help Mr. Davis with the painting? Uh, if you don't mind, sir, I'd rather not touch it. I haven't seen it since Mr. Mason died, and I don't care to see it now, sir. All right, Parker. I'll help you, Mr. Davis. Thank you very much. It's a very heavy frame, you know. It's really too heavy. Wait. That's incredible. What is it, Mr. Flannel? What's wrong? Parker, do you say you haven't touched this painting since Mr. Mason died? No, sir. Well, look at it. The girl is wearing her necklace again. Miss Snyder, how do you do? We haven't seen you here at the gallery for some time. What's the meaning of this, Mr. Flournoy? Oh, beg your pardon? Why did you let that painting go without telling me it was for sale? Well, why, I tried to tell you, Miss Snyder. I called you home several times to let you know about the auction. I was never able to reach you. Didn't you know I was away on a trip? Uh, no, no, I Then didn't. why didn't you find out, you stupid fool? But... How many times have I told you I must have that painting? Well, I'm sorry, Miss Never Snyder. mind, never mind. Who is this Mr. Davis? Where does he live and where can I find him? Why, well, I, I imagine you'll find him at his home. Here's his card. Give it to me. I don't think you'll gain anything by going up there, Miss You Snyder. keep out of this, Flournoy. I want that painting. And this time I'm going to get it. I'm very sorry, Miss Snyder, but nothing you can say will persuade me to part with the painting. Mr. Davis, your stubbornness may cost you your life, you know. I'm afraid I'll have to risk it. I'm very anxious to find out exactly how he died. And if he was murdered... I'm going to see that the killer is brought to justice. The killer is the painting, Mr. Davis. And you will find that out very soon, just as the others did. Are you uh, threatening me? I am giving you one more chance to live. One more chance to sell me the portrait at the price you paid for it. Hmm. If I refuse? 
If you don't sell it to me now, Mr. Davis, I will buy it after your death. Forgive me for not showing you to the door, Miss Snyder, but I hardly think... Never mind, I'll go myself. No, you don't have to. Parker. Yes, sir? Parker, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, didn't you know, Miss Snyder? I'm Mr. Davis's new butler. Hayden Art Company, Mr. Flournoy speaking. Mr. Flournoy? Yes, this is Mr. Flournoy. You had better come over to Mr. Davis's house right away. And don't tell anyone you're coming. Huh? Who's this? It's important, Mr. Flournoy. Don't ask a lot of questions. Just come over. But who is this? Don't you know? It's the girl in the portrait. What? You... Hello? 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 Come in, Mr. Flournoy. Hmm. I thought it was you on the phone. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to mention any names. Come in, will you? All right, all right. What's the hurry? What's this all about? I'll tell you in a minute. Does anyone know you came here? No, I don't think so. Good. What are you doing here? And where's Parker and Mr. Davis? Parker's left. He's gone away. I found a note from him on the foyer table there. Oh, what about Mr. Davis? He's in the library. Wait a moment. Don't go in there yet. He's dead. Mr. Davis? Yes, Mr. Davis. It's horrible, Flournoy. His head has been cut off. What do you mean? What happened? I don't know. I found him lying there on the library floor when I got here. He must have been killed with the axe from that suit of armor, you see. The armor's toppled over, and the falling axe must have landed on his neck. It would have to fall from a good height to sever his head, Miss Snyder. Well, the armor was mounted on a pedestal, and you can see for yourself how heavy that axe is. Yes, I see. You don't think I killed him, do you? I don't know. What are you doing here? I received a strange phone call telling me to meet Mr. Davis. When I got here, the door was open and everything was just as you see it. Have you called the police? No, not yet. Why not? I wanted to speak to you first. You wanted to speak to me with a murdered man lying there on the floor? He wasn't murdered. It was an accident. The portrait killed him. I'll let the police decide that. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Flournoy. You are not going to phone the police until you've heard what I have to say. Go on, say it. I called you because I wanted you to help me. I want that portrait before it's passed on to Mr. Davis's heirs. What do you mean? I may never be able to buy it if it becomes part of his estate. But if you tear up his check and take mine, it doesn't have to become part of his estate. It will be mine, once and for all. Mr. Flannery! What? Mr. Flannery! Why, Parker! What are you doing outside Miss Snyder's house? I've been waiting for her, sir. Have you any idea where she is? Why do you want to know? She left a photograph at Mr. Davis's house last night, and I've come to return it. Oh, I'll take it to her, Parker. If you don't mind, sir, I'll uh, return it myself. Is it that important? The photograph is a picture of the woman and the portrait. And if Miss Snyder can explain why she's been carrying it around, we might have an answer to this mystery. You suspect her, don't you, Parker? Not any more than I suspect you. What's that? You've got the portrait in your car, Mr. Flannery. Don't try to conceal it. I recognize that frame anywhere. I'm not trying to conceal it. I'm trying to find out what your game is. I have no game. Then why did you leave that note saying you were going away? 
What note? Oh, don't lie to me, Parker. I saw it myself on the foyer table. You must be mistaken, sir. Today is my day off. I left the house early this morning, and I didn't write a note. Oh. If you're telling the truth, then I know who did write that note. And I've got to prove it before I can take your word. Oh, wait a moment, Mr. Flunder. Where are you going? I'm going into the house for this painting. I'm going to set a trap for Miss Snyder. I'll go with you. What for? To help you carry the painting, Why, of course. But you, you'll spoil everything if you're seen, Parker. Then I won't be seen. I'll hide. I... What's the matter, Mr. Flannoy? You are not afraid of me, are you? I don't know. Every time this painting has brought misfortune to anyone, you've been alone in the house with the victim. I'm in your living room, hanging up the painting. I didn't ask you to do that. Take it down. Why? Take it down, I say. I don't want it in my living room. I don't want it in this house. Well, I don't understand. Then why did you buy it? Mr. Flurneau, I have been after that portrait for years. And now that I've got it, I'm going to destroy it. You're going to do what? There is a curse on that painting. There really is. You see, I know. Because I'm related to the girl who posed for it. You never told me that. I never saw any reason to. That girl was a sister of my grandmother. And ever since her death, my family has been haunted by that portrait. But now we'll be haunted no longer. But, but you can't destroy a work of art like this. It isn't fair to people who admire it. It isn't Nobody fair. Nobody wants it, Mr. Flurnoy. Nobody but me. Oh, but you're mistaken. There is somebody who wants it. Wants it very much. Parker? Oh, no. no Parker's dead. Dead? How do you know? I know, because I killed him. Right here in the living room. I'm, oh, I'm awfully sorry I didn't have time to dispose of the body, but I'll take care of him before I go. Oh, no, no, Mr. Flurneau. You, you didn't kill him. You, you couldn't. Well, I had to. You see, he discovered the painting in the car as I drove up. He would have ruined all our plans. Plans? Yes. Plans? See, do you think I'd go through with any plans knowing what I know now? Well, I'm going through with mine, Miss Snyder. And I dare say I won't be suspected. What are you talking about? Nobody knows you stole this painting from Mr. Davis. Nobody knows but you and Parker. And I can trust Parker to keep the secret. You stay where you are. Don't be afraid. I've become an expert at the art of murder. It is an art, you know. Just as delicate as... Retouching old portraits, which happens to be a specialty of mine. You... You killed Davis and Mason and Mrs. Mason. Oh, no, 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 not Mrs. Mason, no. Her death was only a coincidence. But it did give me the idea for the others. See, I needed a series of deaths to completely destroy the value of that portrait. The legend was already there. All I had to do was help it along. Why? I wanted the painting, Miss Snyder. I wanted it more than anything else in the world. An art dealer's clerk could hardly afford to pay for it. You're insane. You're... <laughs> well, we're all a little bit insane, aren't we? Don't you come near me. Don't. Shut up, you... Don't. Shut up. Yeah. The knife is cut. 
Sure. But oh, it was... Uncle, don't. Uncle, you make me miss my mark. You're not talking to me. You're not doing it. You're crazy, devil. Be still. No. No. Portrait. Flow. On the wall. Rape. Group. Knife. Now, we'll be haunted no longer. Poor old Flournoy, framed by a portrait. Still, it's better than being boiled in oils. But Davis is the guy who really had an interesting death. Yes, that armored axe did a smooth job. And the police might have thought it was purely accidental. That terrible picture. It was always changing around. I guess it wasn't what they call a still life. In fact, I'm surprised there's still life left in any of the people in the story. Well, well, drown me in a cup of Lipton tea if Mary didn't make a joke. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> well, it's time to go back to my slab now and swap a few stories in the smoker of the crematorium. Oh, before I leave, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Lay That Pistol Down by Richard Powell. Now it's really time to close the squeaking door, so good night, pleasant dreams. <laughs> forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Inner Sanctum Mystery from June 12, 1945, with Portrait of Death, starring Leslie Woods, also in the cast, Santos Ortega and Barry Kroger, with Paul McGrath doing the hosting sponsored by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Goodbye, Christopher Robin, rated PG-13. It's an historical drama that gives the backstory of writer A.A. Mullane, the author of the Winnie the Pooh books that were published in 1926. Malay and his family became instant celebrities, while the books brought hope and comfort to post-war England. Let's take a listen. Once upon a time, there was a great war that brought so much sadness to so many people. Hardly anyone could remember what happiness was like. But something happened that changed all that. Donnell Gleason plays the father and writer. Will Tilston plays Christopher Robin. Margot Robbie is the mother and Kelly McDonald is the nanny. Here's another clip. Are we writing a book? I thought we were just having fun. We're writing a book and we're having fun. And then, just like a tap you turned on, happiness came pouring out. The bottom line, 
I'm way in. Three and a half stars out of four. I interviewed director Simon Curtis, and he told me he thinks that viewers will enjoy seeing how these beautiful stories were created. Like when the tiger is given the name Tigger, and the idea of simply playing creatively with your kids. Check out my interview with director Simon Curtis and my article about my visit to the Pooh Corner set in England on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's This Is Your FBI, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Barry Craig Confidential Investigator, The Adventures of Frank Merriwell, Burns and Allen, and The Weird Circle. For my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>